Well, good morning, everybody. How we doing? Good. Doing pretty good? Come on, at this time, I want to go ahead and welcome in our Ocean Springs, Long Beach, and Wiggins locations. Come on, Gulfport. Come on. We're excited. Today is a special day. It is the Sunday after Thanksgiving, and it's the Sunday where uh, most people are either uh, on vacation, uh, here visiting, and if you're from here, from here locally, then you're recovering. You're recovering from a week of sleep, football, food, and that's about it, you know? Uh, except for those of you who had to work. I, I'm, I'm sorry for you. I'm sorry for you. Uh, it's something, it's, it's, it, whenever we rest, what is it about, like, when we come out of a season of rest, like, we're actually more tired than whenever we went into it? I don't know what it is. Maybe we're catching up. I don't know. But uh, so, so with that, I'm sitting down today because um, I ate a lot of turkey. I ate a lot of gumbo yesterday. Uh, yeah, we had a family get together yesterday, so we ate a bunch of gumbo. Mama's gumbo out the big black uh, uh, skillet. What is it called? Cast iron, Cast iron pot. Mm. It was so good. It was so good. I'm going to eat some leftovers of that today. So go ahead and get through this message real quick and get some leftover gumbo. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, but uh, look, in case you're, you're new from around here or uh, maybe this is your first time here, maybe it's your first time watching online, my name is Jordan, uh, senior pastor here at Northwood Church, and we're one church, four locations, uh, and I'm, I'm excited to be able to share with all locations today something that I, I think is going to be very helpful for us as a church. Um, it's also wrapping up our series on kingdom stewardship, which uh, we've been in for a month, and so today um, I'm seeking to kind of wrap it up and talk about the thing that nobody wants to talk about. Money. So if it's your first time here, I want to let you know that we, we don't always talk about money, but today we're talking about money. Y'all know money's a big deal, right? It's sort of a big deal. It's, it's a big part of our life and our wealth and our possessions. It's a, it's a big part of our life. And so today we're going to take some time and talk about that. Before I jump in, I did want to let you know that we're wrapping up today's series. And next week we're starting a new series. It's uh, called The King's Arrival. So next month, we're going to be celebrating the king's arrival like Anthony just talked about here. Yeah, it's going to be good. And uh, we're going to talk about Jesus before he came, while he was here. And then, man, we're looking forward to his second coming. All right, so we're celebrating that. And then also, again, man, we, yeah, we're excited about Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve services are going to be all four locations together here in Gulfport. And so that's going to be exciting as well, uh, putting all of our teams together. It's going to be fun. And so I want to encourage you to go ahead and put that on the calendar and make some room for that. You're, you're not going to want to miss it. It's going to be a special day. And so, uh, so anyway, with that, we're going to jump in today to, uh, to, to the last week of kingdom stewardship. And I kind of want to give you just a quick recap on some things that we've talked about. We talked about how there's two kingdoms. There's two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of the world and there's the kingdom of God. And we are citizens of one of those kingdoms, all right? We're citizens of the kingdom of the world just by birth, just by the, the sheer fact that you were born. You're born into the kingdom of the world by birth, but you're born into the kingdom of God by faith. And remember, we talked about how you can, you can go to church, you know, you can go to church with your, uh, your feet, but you only become a part of the church by faith in Jesus. And so we're a, we're a part of the kingdom of God through faith in Jesus. And so we as Christians, we are in the world, but we're not of it. So we're in this world, but we don't quite operate like people do in general. We think a little bit different. Our, our character is different. Our standard of living is different. 
why? Because we believe in God and we, we fashion and we, we live our life in pursuit of him in the way that he desires us to live our life, not just merely in how we want to live our life, okay? So just in that fact alone, we live differently. And so we're in the world, but we're not of the world. And we also learned about how God has given us the keys to the kingdom of heaven. He's given us the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And so we are stewards. We are people who manage what God has given us here on this earth. So we don't own everything. God owns everything, but we steward it because that's how he has decided to do it. So last week we talked about how we, we manage or we steward our time and our influence. And this week we're going to be talking about how we, we manage our wealth. And today, really, if I had to put a title to it, it would be kingdom economy kingdom economy. Every kingdom has an economy. I don't know if you know that or not, but every kingdom has an economy. Every kingdom, every, every country has an economy. And if you don't know what an economy is, I'm going to give you a very small, weak definition of it that is not going to give you like really a big picture at all, but uh, I'm going to seek to do that with this. An economy is the process or system by which goods and services are produced, sold, and bought. Now, economics are very... Um, are very complex, and there's a whole lot of different ideas about how an economy should work. Um, our economy currently is uh, <clears throat> in a certain place. It hasn't been in a long time. Why? Because there's certain people who have a, a, an opinion of how things should operate. And, and if you go to every country, there's a certain way that, that economies operate. Uh, I told you uh, here in Gulfport a couple weeks ago that I went to Cuba uh, a couple of years ago, and I, I learned a lot about how their economy works. And uh, when I got back to America, I wanted to kiss the ground that I was walking on because I was so happy to be home. Um, we take things for granted in our country, but whenever you visit a country who has gone through certain things, you, uh, whenever you come back, you're like, man, God has, has richly blessed us here, and so thank God that we live in a country like we do. But, uh, but economics are very complex, and what happens is we, every single person in this room, every person watching online, every location, this week you have been investing your wealth, your life, into the U.S. economy, whether you know it or not. You have. You've been spending money. All right, this week we spent a bunch of money on Turkey and whatever else. That was part of the economy. Like, like you invested into, you spent money into the economy. And, and economies are really crazy the way that it all networks together and, you know, contractors over here and, and entertainment industry over here and groceries. Just the way that everything just kind of, it's, it's, it's like a living organism and it moves and it breathes. And so, uh, so every economy, every kingdom has an economy. And uh, there is an important perspective that we have in God's economy, and it starts with this. And I think that this is a core central belief that Christians should have about uh, what we have, and it's this, is that everything we have is from God. Now, that's a very simple thought, I know. And you were like, I was expecting something much more complex than that. I don't know that we actually think about life this way. I, I don't know that we approach the things that we have and truly consistently believe that everything we have is from God. And we might start there, but the problem is over time that we start to think eventually that our wealth is ours. Like I earned it. You know what I'm saying? Like I earned this. This is my money. I'm going to do what I want with it. And that's how we're, we're actually almost uh, trained to think like that. This is mine. And so you can't have it. I've worked, I've spent my life on this. And you know what, that's what's, 
That's what's kind of difficult about wealth, which is our possessions and our money, is that we have literally spent our life earning it. Like you, you went to work, generally speaking, we went to work this week, and we earned money for the time that we invested into that job. And so therefore, it's like I spent my life getting what I have, and so I don't want anybody else to have it. You know, that's what happens whenever somebody steals our stuff. You know what's, when somebody steals your stuff, it's violating because you spent your life getting that and somebody just came in and took it. And that is wrong. There's something wrong about that in the core of who we are. And so we have to remember as, as, as Christians that God owns everything, but we steward what he has allowed us to steward. That's a big posture right there. And that's a, it's one of the contrasts that, that um, really, uh, uh, there's a difference between a kingdom economy, the kingdom of God's economy, and the kingdom of the world's economy. There's a couple of contrasting ideas. That's one of them. The other is this, is that the world's economy says, I earned it, so I keep it. And that God's economy says, God gave it, so I give it. That's a big contrast right there. Does anybody have like five bucks, just a dollar? I need some sort of money. I forgot. Just, you, got, you got something? Oh, 20. All right. Wow, wow. I'll keep that. All right, man. Goodness gracious. Thanksgiving. All right. So the world's economy, the world system says, I earned this right here. And so... I earned it, that's what put it in my hand, and so therefore, I'm gonna keep it. Very, very easy visual. This is a greedy, close-handed mindset. And this is what we're taught to do. This is what we're trained to do. This is what we naturally do. I earned it, it's mine, you can't have it. You know what I'm saying? Whereas God's economy, the kingdom economy is this. God gave it to me, and so I keep my hand open, because he freely gave it to me, now I can freely give it. And I don't feel anything whenever that transfer takes place. You know what I'm saying? I've been freely given this so I can freely give it. And that right there is a very, another very simple concept, but it's something that contrasts the way that the world operates in general and the way that the kingdom operates. Generosity that open-handed mindset is the fuel in God's economy. Generosity, open-handed living. Now, that, at least that's how it's supposed to be. That the kingdom of the world operates like this and the kingdom of God operates like this. That's how it's supposed to be. But stats, unfortunately, say a different thing about Christians. The reality is this, that religious giving is lower today than it was during the Great Depression. Religious giving, percentage-wise, is lower today than it was during the Great Depression. It's a problem. There's a problem that the local church has. And, and, and I do at this point, before I say what I'm about to say, I want to preface this. And, and I want you to know that this message is not about getting you to give this church more money. Let's go ahead and say it. 
put it out there. I'm kind of a skeptical person, and so even when I teach messages like this, I think about how the skeptic would perceive what I'm about to say. And so therefore, I like to throw stuff like, out, like that out there. Uh, that, that's not the goal of today's message, and you'll understand that here in a few minutes. But there are some stats, I think, that, that do matter when it comes to people in the church and how much they give to the church. And this is some of those stats. Only 5% of congregants give regularly. Now, that's not just from this church or anything. That's a, that's a broad statistic, and uh, we know about statistics. You can kind of make them say what you want. Also, one thing I'll say about these statistics is that a lot of people call themselves Christians, but they, come on, let's be honest. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was born into a Christian home, so there I'm, I'm, therefore I'm Christian. So some of these stats I even take with a grain of salt. But generally speaking, 5% of congregants give regularly. The average American gives $17 a week to their local church. And 37% of the weekly faithful, that's in quotation marks, I did not put the quotation marks there, a firm that did these, these studies did, that the weekly faithful, meaning those who say, I attend this church, right, like, like I faithfully attend this church, 37% of them don't give anything at all. So that's just the reality of, of religious giving in regards in the confines of just the local church. And, and that's one part of the stats. But, but broadening that more, and I think this is one of the most heartbreaking uh, uh, stats, is that charity is moving from religious hands to secular ones. There's a big shift going on in our culture. There's a lot of different reasons for that. You also, you know the whole thing, people say a lot, and I'm sure some of you have said this too, that as soon as I start making more money, that's when I'll start giving more. That whole, that whole statement, come on, how many of us have said that before, right? Like, oh, no, we're not going to be honest today. It's fine. I get it. <laughs> I get it. Man, as soon as I start making more money, that's when I'm going to start giving more. Again, these are not my stats. In the general population, those making less than $50,000 a year give a higher percentage of their income than those making between 50 and 250,000. And if you make 250,000 or above, those people actually give away more of their income than this 50 to 250 range. Isn't that amazing? Percentage-wise of people's income that people at $50,000 or less would be more generous in giving than those between 50 and 250. And then, of course, things open up at 250 above. And actually, people who make 250 or above, they do give a lot. I know there's a lot of things going on today with taxes and people and all this kind of stuff, but, but there's a lot of generosity in those who do make a lot of money. However, we're not going to be talking about that today. What is that? What is it about, about us as people that, that causes us over time to do this? What is it that causes us to stop being generous or keeps us from being genuine, uh, generous? Why do we see our hands closing around our wealth? Well, there's a couple of quick things I think I could say. Number one is I believe there's a general uh, lack of trust that we have with people, right? Like I think that we generally in, in our culture today, we don't trust nonprofits. We don't trust pastors and, and church leaders. Many of you, you don't trust me with with what we do with the money that we take into the church. We, we don't trust people in general. Some of us, we don't trust the homeless person that we want to give 20 bucks to because we don't know what they're going to do with that 20 bucks. Like that's the way that we have grown to think in our culture. I've earned it. I'm going to keep it. And if I'm going to give it away, I'm going to know exactly where that money's going. And I, I get that. I'm a part of our culture too. I get it. I understand it. But I also think it's a really nice excuse 
I think it's a great excuse. At the least, it's a great excuse. I also think that it, it sounds like a really great plan of the enemy to choke out generosity in a culture to keep, whether it be nonprofits or churches or whatever the case is, and we'll get into some of that in a second, to keep them from having financial support to be able to advance whatever it is that they're advancing. I think it's actually a great plan of the enemy for a people to have such lack of trust that they can't even get 20 bucks to the homeless person on the side of the road because they might go spend it on booze. Are you all with me? I haven't even got to the part where you should be, you know, quiet yet. <laughs> Uh-oh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back up a little bit. Maybe I need to lean back. I seem to relax a little bit. Sorry. A little bit too intense. The Bible has some answers for us as to why we begin to live clenched, fisted around our, our money and our possessions and our wealth. Did you know that there are more than 2,300 verses on money, wealth, and possessions? 2,300 verses. I want to read you a couple. First Timothy 6 says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. I want to clarify something. If you ever say that money is the root of all evil, I want you to go ahead and stop saying that because that's not true. It's the love of money. It is not a sin to be rich any more than it is noble or holy to be poor. Poverty or prosperity gospels, both of them are in error because both of them have to do with self. So, so both of those are wrong. It's not about how much you make or how much you don't make that makes you holy or not holy. It's about whether you love it. There are a lot of people who are actually poor, they're living in poverty, who have a love of money. And it is a root of all kind of evil in their life, just like there are those who are very rich. And it's the same thing. So it's the love of money that's the root of all kinds of evil. Ecclesiastes 5, he who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. It's never enough. If you start it at $20,000 a year and now you make $200,000 a year, you know ultimately that this is true that you still wanna make $250,000 a year. You know that you still want more money in your nest egg. Like, you know what I'm saying? It, it, it honestly is, there is no bottom to the pit of the love of money and the, and the, the want and the desire for wealth. There's actually no, no end to it. Now, with Jesus, Jesus taught about 15% of his teachings are on money, 15%. 11 out of 39 parables is about wealth. By, by that standard, we don't talk about money and wealth and possessions enough in the church, y'all. Like, honestly, this is probably the first message that we've really had on money uh, this year, specifically. And, and, and why? Because we don't want to talk about money because people get uncomfortable and because there's so much lack of trust that there's an automatic uh, defense mechanism that goes up. Well, I don't really get scared of those. It's kind of my personality. I like to talk about the things that we don't like to talk about. Jesus didn't have a problem talking about wealth because he knows that it hits right where we're at. And this is some of the things that Jesus said about it. Matthew 6, he said, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And this is the punchline. You cannot serve God and money. They are diabolically opposed to one another. Money, the love of money and the love of God. At, there's an intersection at some point. And it, this is tough for us because our culture is infatuated 
with possessions and money and prestige and fame and growth and all of these things. We're infatuated. We don't even realize that we're infatuated with it. We will sacrifice our families, our relationships, our health to pursue greater wealth. We will. Now, by a show of hands, how many of us know that that's improper? Like that's out of balance? Most of us. Most of us. Whenever we put it like that. But yet, culturally, there's this trend. There's this, there's this pull to more. The house you have What's the bigger one that you're going to get the next three? What's your financial plan to get a bigger house? What's your financial plan to get the better car? What's your finan- Where are you going to be in three years? What's your five-year plan? Right? For what? Typically, it's about how much money you're going to be making. Typically. Or a derivative of that. It's not all wrong. However, if it's your master, you can't serve that wholeheartedly and serve God wholeheartedly. Right? Okay, good. Luke 12, Jesus said, one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Your life, some of y'all just need to hear that today just to take the pressure off a little bit. Your life does not consist of how much stuff you have and how much money you have in the bank. Your life is worth more than that. You're more valuable than how much money you make. Your, your life is worth more than whether you have the nice house or not the so nice house. Like you're, that, that's in a whole nother spectrum that doesn't matter as much as who you are in Christ, okay? There's this whole different spectrum, especially as Christians. Like we should be experts at this. We really should. Matthew 6, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus sets us up like a volleyball, you know, it's like you're playing a bump set and he's like, whack. He's like, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be too. Now, I want to expand treasure from money. I want to expand it into what we talked about last week as well, with time and influence. Where your treasure is, where your life is, where your money, your time, your influence, where you're investing your life, that's where your treasure is going to be. It's a fact. You can't get around it. So, with that statement being said, how do we steward our wealth for the kingdom of God? How do we steward our wealth for the kingdom? Like, what does it actually mean? Do you guys ever think about that? Like, we read something or we say something, and then it's like, okay, that's cool. That sounds great, Jordan. But what does it actually mean? Like, how do we actually do that? How do we lay up treasure for ourselves in heaven? Well, first off, I want to say this. Managing what God gives us well and investing some of it back into the kingdom of God. That is one way that we can steward our wealth for the kingdom of God. Managing what we have personally. Money, it might be a budget. Time, it might be your calendar. Influence, it might be just literally thinking about who am I investing my life into? What am I investing my life into? There is a personal part of this, of what am I doing with what God gives me, the things that I have, right? The things that are literally in my hand. There's that part. But there's also what am I giving to? What am I investing in? And that's where I believe Investing some of it 
back into the kingdom of God. And so when am I giving to the kingdom of God? What does that mean? You, you guys ever think about that? Okay, what does it mean? And immediately some of you are like, here we go. This is, <laughs> this is I knew it. I knew, this is where, it, this is where it's, we're going to talk about how much we're supposed to give to the church. Well, I want to put you at ease a little bit. I, I'm actually going to answer two questions. I'm going to talk about where do we give, where do we give of our life, and then how much do we give. Okay, that's, that's where I'm headed with this. So when do... When do I know that, I, that we are giving? When do I know that I'm giving to the kingdom of God? Where do I give my time, my energy, my money? I want to give you some, some categories. I want to give you some things to think about. Number one, I believe that we should be giving to help accomplish the Great Commission. I think that we, with the time and the influence and the money and the, the wealth that God gives us, I believe that we should be investing that back into Get, we should be giving to help accomplish the Great Commission, proclaiming the gospel, making disciples. A lot of that has to actually do with your time and your influence. Did you know that? Proclaiming the gospel and making disciples, the Great Commission, a large part of that in our life has to do with the time that we have. But number two, giving to expand the influence of the kingdom of God. I'll give you one example, church planning. That is one way that the kingdom of God expands through church planning. There's other ways, but that's just one example. Now, for most of us, we might not be giving a lot of our time and our influence to church planting, but guess what we do, what we do give? A lot of times we give financially to other people who have been called to specifically plant churches, whether they be a pastor or an organization that's doing that. Children's Cup, I believe, is one way that we give to, uh, some of you support uh, individual kids through different, you know, there's different agencies or organizations that do that. I think that's one way that we support expansion of the kingdom of God, the influence of the kingdom of God. Giving, next, giving to the least of these, to the widow, to the orphan. I think this Saturday is one of those ways Giving to the kingdom of God is by, by giving to those who have nothing to give back. I think that's a, that's a, that's a category. That's a, a, a guardrail, something that we could be looking at. The next thing is, I believe, giving, uh, it, it, whenever we, we, uh, we are giving to the kingdom of God, whenever we give to support other Christians in need. And that happens so much in our church specifically. I've heard so many stories where somebody's in a small group or, or somebody is just hearing somebody on a Sunday morning talk about something that they need, and then there's a group of people that get together in order to help them out, whether it be a massive renovation on somebody's home, or maybe it's, it's, a, it's a car, whatever it is, where the body of Christ literally, now we're talking about God's economy. In God's economy, it, we don't need other agencies or other organizations outside of the kingdom in order to support one another, or we shouldn't. Giving to support other Christians in need is an important part of this. Now, I personally believe that, that the local church, and what I mean by that is this is an example of a local church. Northwood Church is an example of a local church. There's the church, remember that? There's the church, capital C, those who are united by faith in Jesus. And then there's individual expressions of those. And there's those local churches are where community happens, where support happens, where growth happens, where discipleship happens. And I believe that the local church, if you want to look at it from a, a, you know, an ROI, an investment standpoint, I think that the local church is a great vehicle for investing into the kingdom of God. 
I believe that. There's ministry that takes place in the local church. There's expansion in the kingdom. There's support of those who uh, can't give back charity. There's discipleship. I believe that the local church is, is ultimately God's plan to reach the world. I really do believe that. I believe that there's a lot of great organizations that are doing a lot of great work, but I believe that the seedbed, the core plan of God are gatherings like this and a lot of different expressions like this, okay? There's people on the side of a mountain. There's people in a home. There's a lot of different expressions of that. I'm not saying this is the only expression. I'm just saying things like this. This is God's plan, that we would be in community with one another, that we would be stirred to good works for one another, right? So if we believe in the mission of the local church, if we, what we believe in, first off, we invest in. Whatever you actually enjoy, whatever you believe in is what you invest in. This past week, I want you really quick to think about what you spent your time and money on. 15 seconds. That is what you value. That is what you invested your life into this week. That's what you invested your money, which is your time, your life. That's what you invested your, 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 your I mean, Thanksgiving 2021, right? That was just once this year. This, those people, that's who you decided to invest your life into this week. What if we actually looked at our life that way? What if we truly every day thought about, man, what I did today was what I invested, the, the life that God has given to me, that's what I invested it in. I think that we would spend it differently. By the way, the big difference between spending and investing is investing is spending with a purpose. Spending with a purpose. And so did you spend your life this week or did you invest your life this week? I got you thinking today, don't I? All right. So where do I give? That, that, that's, that's where you give. That, that's where you give your time and your money. I believe in regards to the kingdom of God. Now, here's the next question, and this is the one. This is, this, is, this is what we've been waiting for. How much do I give? Oh, man. You see, my, my dad, he's here on the front row. He was pastor for many years. And at this moment, he feels the, uh, uh, all, the all the pastors at the other locations. You feel that, don't you? I mean, you can probably feel it in the room right now. It's like, here we go. <laughs> I knew it. This is why he got the 20 bucks, because he, now he's going to get one of those little, little, you know, Northwood buckets with the little logo, and he's going to put it in there. That's where you give. That's how much you should. <laughs> I want to I talk about some terminology when it comes to giving. I want to talk about what the Bible talks about when it comes to, to, to giving. And I'm, I'm going to talk about a few different words. Number one is, is this word, first fruits. First fruits. And first fruits talks about the first or the best of what you have earned or what you have. And the first time we see that is in Genesis with Cain and Abel. Many of you know the story. Cain offered up kind of his leftovers, all right, to God. And God was not pleased. And Abel offered up his, the first fruits of his flock. And uh, God was pleased with Abel's and accepted his offering and uh, his sacrifice. And Cain, he did not. And Cain got upset. Of course, Cain ends up, ends up killing Abel the first murder we see in the Bible, but this was the first mention of first fruits. And this is sort of the mindset of what first fruits meant or means. First fruits were the firstborn 
child or animal or best parts of any crop which in Hebrew thought were considered as holy and belonging to the Lord. The first fruits were offered, now listen to this, the first fruits were offered to God in thanksgiving for his goodness in providing them. Everything we have is from God. First fruits, the big mindset is that there is a a posture of God has given me what I have. So therefore, whatever I have, I give him the best of what I have, not the leftovers. There's another word, tithe. And now, how many of you have heard the word tithe before? Okay, most of us. And I know there's some of you, you never heard that word. I know our our small group, we were having this conversation a few weeks ago about what tithe is. And and tithe in the Bible, it means tenth. It means a tenth percent of everything uh, everything that you earn. And and our our first mention there in the Bible is Genesis 14, 20. We read about Abraham and Melchizedek, and and that's where the first mention is of this idea that Abraham gave a tenth of what he had to a priest, you know, to someone that represented a priest. And, uh, and, and, and that tithe was taught in the Old Testament. It was a part of the law. It's a big part of the law. So if you've read the Old Testament, then you know. And the Pharisees were people that were very concerned with the law, obeying the law. And so what the Pharisees did is they took all of the law and they began to put numbers on it. And eventually... What it actually meant to be an Israelite that actually gave, that, that tithe and all this kind of stuff, what it meant is you gave at least 20% of what you earned and sometimes 25% whenever you put together all the tithes and, and, and offerings, which is the next thing. Offerings just really means anything above the 10%. It was, it was extra, right? And, and so what happens is, is Jesus comes on the scene. And like the only time Jesus talks about tithe, he's actually correcting the Pharisees because they're, they're, they're needling in on how much people are giving. And he's like, you guys are so concerned with you know, tithing to like the nth degree, but you are you know, not looking and, or caring about the, the weightier things of the law. You don't care about justice and, and mercy. You don't care about these things. You just care about people paying what, what they need to pay and ultimately because you get a part of it. How many of you like that right there? And doesn't that feel good? Jesus just comes in just like, wow, just haymakers, man. And so there's other scriptures that, that the church, the modern day church has taken and used and has put certain numbers on people and not out of a good suggestion, but out of law. Saying, if you do not give this certain amount, you are under a curse. And I with a pure conscience, cannot teach that. Because I don't believe that's what the Bible says. Okay. Tithes, offerings, also alms, which is just anything given to the poor. Alms. These are these words that the Bible uses. And the last word that the Bible used that I, uses that I think is actually the one that, that is really God's first intent is generosity. Generosity. And it means a liberality in giving, and this right here, a willingness to give. In the same way that God never wanted a law for his people to have to have in order to love and serve him, it's the same thing when it comes to tithe and a number. God wants our hearts to be set towards giving, not to have to give. 
In the same way that he doesn't want us to have to serve him, he wants us to love and desire to serve him. And so many people miss this because they get distracted by who's saying what and who wants how much, and they miss the whole heart of it. People miss the heart of the gospel because they're so concerned about what they're doing. They're not concerned about who they are. They're concerned about whether they went to church four times this month or once this month. They're not concerned about how many times they connected with their Savior, about how many times they, they, they communed with the Father. They don't think about that. And in the same way, so many people, people are concerned with, did I meet a certain standard? Or most people, I know that I didn't give enough because I know that my heart's actually being drawn to give more. And so I know that I'm not being obedient to what God's wanting me to give. And so therefore, I constantly, constantly live under condemnation or really conviction because I'm not being obedient. And God's sitting there the whole time, just like he did in the Old Testament. Y'all know what the temple and the tabernacle was all about? It was about God wanting to be with his people. That's why the temple mattered. That's why he had them set up and tear down. It was about God wanting his presence to reside with his people. It wasn't about him just getting to set up tabernacles and tents and whatever just, just for the heck of it. No, it was, it was he wanted to be with him. And y'all, we, we, just, we just missed this. And y'all, if we miss this in the gospel, then we miss it in everything that the Bible says. We miss it in money. If you miss God's heart for you, in general, then you'll miss it when it comes to obedience. You'll miss it when it comes to honor. You'll miss it whenever it comes to how he tells you to treat other people. Because it's not about the heart. It's not about who you are. It's about what you're doing. And we get infatuated with what we're doing. And I think it's time for us to look at instead, for, for, for at least start with who we are in our heart. Because that's what generosity is speaking about. It's speaking about our heart. And so back to the question, how much do I give? Now, I want to summarize. I want to bring it all together. After many, many years of, of being in the church and studying tithe and offering and giving and generosity and, and as pastor of Northwood Church, <laughs> I want to I give you my answer for how much you should give. You ready? Get your pens out. I mean, get ready. You're just ready to tweet it. You ready? Pastor, how much should I give? I don't know. <laughs> we want the law, y'all. We want the law. We want a number. We want a number so that way we don't have to seek God ourselves. We want a number so that way if things don't work out, we can blame the preacher. Oh, no. All right. <laughs> I'm leaving. It happens. Do you know people do that sometimes? They come for counsel and you give them counsel and it's not what they want to hear. And so they walk away and either they reject the counsel or they take the counsel. And if the counsel doesn't work out, they blame you. That happens in general. When it comes to how much we should give, I think that Paul in 2 Corinthians 9 summarizes it. And I would encourage you to go read 2 Corinthians, read 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 yourself. Because I think it talks about a lot of the things that we're talking about today in the heart of giving. But... 9, verse 6 and 7. The point is this. How much should I give? The point is this. 
Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Talking about sowing seeds. If you sow a lot, you're going to reap a lot. If you sow, uh, if you're kind of stingy, then you'll, you'll reap stingy, right? But verse 7, each one, every single one of us right now, if you're listening, you must give as you have decided in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, meaning somebody's compelling you, guilting you, squeezing you, you know, you're going to be under a curse. <laughs> For God loves a cheerful giver. We understand this when it comes to our relationships. If somebody gives you a gift, and whenever they give you the gift, you can tell that they really didn't want to give you the gift. Do you want that gift? No. Dude, keep your money. <laughs> keep, no, dude, no. You know why? Because there are strings attached to that. That's, a, that's like politics, man. I'm going to give and I'm expecting something in return. That's not generosity. That's manipulation. And you know that's where a lot of people are when it comes to giving to God. There's strings attached to it. They write a check for 20 bucks and they're like, well, Lord, I'm sowing this seed. And you said here, if I sow sparingly, I'll reap sparingly. So, Lord, I'm expecting a little kickback. You know what I'm saying? Let's, let's come on. What kind of interest are we talking about here? Is this compound or what? <laughs> it's about your heart, guys. It's about the heart. Now, I believe that each word that we talked about here has a principle attached. And so instead of giving you a number today, I want to give you a principle to live by. And I want to give you a principle that also causes us to, to ask some prayerful questions about how much we should give. All right, so, so this, this is sort of some guardrails for you. I believe whenever the Bible talks about first fruits, I believe there, there's a question here. There's a principle and there's a question that comes from that principle and it's this. Am I giving my best, not my leftovers? And these are things to write down. Am I giving my best or my leftovers? Am I giving the best of my time to the kingdom of God or am I giving my leftovers? Do I spend all of my energy, all of my passion on me and my entertainment and my whatever I have going on to where I don't have enough to invest into discipleship? To invest into whatever it is that God's gifted me to do in the kingdom of God? Am I just building my own kingdom? Or am I investing my energy, my time into, into the kingdom of God? Money. Do I pay Uncle Sam? Do I pay my boat off? Do I pay everything that I need to pay and then I look and see what I have left over in order to give to whatever it is that God's leading me to give to? And if it's a dollar, it's a dollar. If it's 17 bucks, it's 17 bucks. Is that how I do my, my is that how I decide how much to give financially to God? to the kingdom of God? Because if so, that would not be the first fruits. That would not be the best. You're giving God your leftovers. So whether it be time, whether it be money, whether it be literally your energy, we know when it comes to our marriage and it comes to our kids that, that we say this a lot as dads too. It's like, man, I'm spending all my energy at work or on this and I'm, I'm leaving, my kids get my leftovers. 
They get me when I'm burnt out, when I have, I, my creativity's done. I don't feel like crawling around on the ground. I'm worn out. I never have enough energy for my kids. We understand that, and we, we reorganize our life in order to have a life that we can invest into our family. It's the same exact thing when it comes to the kingdom of God. It's no different. Literally no different. First fruits. I believe that tithe and offering, the principle of tithe and offering in, in the Bible can cause us to ask this question, am I sacrificially giving? There's stats out there that talk about how millennials give. Um, uh, it's, 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 it's 3% of millennials, I believe it, it is. 3% of millennials give one, uh, I'm sorry, it's 1% of millennials that give away 10% of what they, uh, they bring in. 1%. And you would think like Gen X and baby boomers and silent generation would be like a lot better. They're not. It's like 3 5%. The vast majority of people, we talk a lot about being generous, but the vast majority of people are honestly, they're just not. Just not. And so I, 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 I think these questions that the Bible offers challenges us. Am I sacrificially giving? What I mean by that is, am I giving where I actually feel it? You know what I'm talking about? Do I actually feel what I'm giving? And I don't know what that percentage is for you. But I think this question, I think it should be sacrificial. Again, go read 2 Corinthians eight and nine, go, go read scripture, go read all the scriptures when it comes to giving. And I think you'll see this. There is something about sacrificially giving. 1% is nothing. I'll say that. 1%, y'all, the inflation this year is like 6%. Many of you don't even know that, right? You lost 6% of what you make this year, basically. Anyway. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Sorry about that. I'm just thinking percentages. I'm thinking numbers. That's where my brain's at right now. I believe God's called us to give more. Alms. I believe that the principle that this teaches us or the question that we should ask is, am I giving without wanting anything? I'm sorry. Am I giving to those who don't have enough? Are you giving to those who don't have enough? Whether it be your time, your energy, your money, what is it that God's leading you to give? Some of you, you don't have any more time to give, but you do have money to give. Some of you, you don't have any more money to give, but you do have maybe some time to give, right? Whatever it is, I, I, I'm not your judge. Am I giving without, the, the, the last thing, generosity is this, am I giving without wanting anything in return? And I think this question is such a, a piercing question because so many times we take this money right here and we give it to somebody but this, is, this could represent time. And we give it to somebody and we're expecting in some way, shape, or form to get it back. And the kingdom of God says, I'm giving and I could care less what that person does with it. What they, what they, I just don't care. I am being obedient, right? Generosity. And I believe that's what Jesus did for us. As the example, I believe that he gave of himself completely, holy, that's W-H-O-L-L-Y, holy, gave completely all that he had to give to us. And he taught us how to live this life, to live a life open-handed with who we are. And this world is consistently leading us to clench our fists. And today, all I want for you to do is just, if, you, if you're living clenched, fisted, just to pry that hand open again just to pry it open. 
and say, God, what do you, ha- what do you want me to give? And for some of you, you're faithful. You know, you're, you've been faithful to give what God has told you to give. And, and this is one of those messages where it's a reminder and it's also if, a sh- if the shoe fits, wear it type thing. But I want you to think this one last thought. Imagine what would happen if everyone in the kingdom of God would actually give like we just described. Just take a second. For you mathematicians, do some math. If the average person gives, if, if, if I'll say average 3% of people give away 10% of what they have, if only 3%, what would happen if 50% gave away? Let me tell you what would happen. I believe that, uh, I believe that homelessness would be eradicated in, in, in many ways. I believe that hunger would be eradicated. I believe that hospitals would have everything that they need. I believe that churches would explode in so many different ways. Uh, the limits would be taken off. And yeah, financially, I believe that's a big part of that. I really do. If we gave of our time, the kingdom would explode. Let me tell you something. If we gave of our time to discipleship as Christians, we wouldn't be begging for people to sit in the living room with people and teach them the word of God. But we have an issue. Our bucket is full. And so we don't have time to sit with people and teach them the Bible. We don't have time to do a small group. We don't have time for the lunch. We don't have time to sit down at lunch with people and just ask them three different questions. We don't have time to invite people to church. We don't have time to... What would happen if we actually rearranged our time and created space for people? I kind of think in some cases it's that simple. Now, that's idealism. (laughs) And I understand that. But I think the question needs to be asked. I really do believe that the kingdom of God would explode in influence in many different ways. Are there people who misuse people's time and, and, and finances and different things? Yeah, guys, there are. I read the stories. I know. I've known some guys. I know it's out there. You invest in businesses all the time in the stock market. They got a lot of junk going on. We invest our time and our energy into things sometimes that, that, mm. I think we just need to take a fresh look. And especially the reason I'm, free, I'm, I'm teaching this this way today is because our world is so opposed to the kingdom of God that I believe that finances and time for people we're, the reason that it's swapping from religious, charity is swapping, swapping from religious hands to secular ones is, is actually that the enemy's plan is beginning to work really well. And that some things are being choked out. People have less time and money to support the kingdom of God today than they did 30 years ago. In, in, in their heart. And this isn't a guilt trip. This isn't. But we got to talk about this sometimes. And that's really... From a big kingdom stewardship perspective, that's what we've been talking about. This is kingdom-mindedness. And for some, we're going to reject all the things that have been said today. Reject it. But I believe that the word of God speaks this way. And I believe that this is the perspective that God wants us to give of our time and our energy to. 
I really do. Time and our energy, our money. And so I hope that today your, your heart was expanded. I hope that your heart is expanded even for this church. You know, if you attend this church, now we've had so many people that have been so faithful to give of their time and their energy for so many years. Some of you, it's been one or two or three years. Some of you, it's been 30 years and everywhere in between. And, you know, I just want to say thank you for that. Thank you for investing your life consistently. I'm looking at some people that were, you know, you've been here as, as long when I was a little kid, you know, and you're still here and you're still investing your life into what's going on. Some of you, it's been 20 years. It's a team effort. You know that? It's a team effort. But whenever you see people's lives changed by Jesus, whenever you see families redeemed from the pit, whenever you see people that have been overcome by addiction for years and years and by the, by, by the power of God and by the service of the, his people, they find life, it's worth it. And I believe that whenever you stand before God, I don't know that God's going to ask you how much you gave to Northwood Church. I don't, I don't really know that that's going to be a question he asks. I believe he already is going to know how much you invested into the kingdom, though. And I believe that, that we have an opportunity to invest more of who we are into the kingdom, to see the kingdom expand in our lifetime. We just have to be willing. And as a church, you know, we have vision here. We have vision. And if you're looking for a place to invest in, I'd love for it to be here. We have current vision. We have future vision. One of those things is, man, we want to get in a place in Ocean Springs. Come on, we want a building. That's one thing that, that is, I know Ocean Springs just went, yeah. that's right. That, that, that's part of our vision. We want to expand. We want to give more to missions. We mentioned Gulf Coast Community Ministries. Do you guys know if that the church, not just our church, but all churches were, were just giving do you know Gulf Coast Community Ministries probably would have a brand spanking new building with everything that need, they need, state-of-the-art equipment? The Women's Resource Center, they wouldn't be asking for something. They'd be like, hey, guys, we can't take any of it anymore, right? That's, what, that's the picture that I see. We want to be a part of that. We want to give more to local missions. We want to give more to church planning. We want to give more to those things. There's certain staff uh, positions in our church that we need to hire. There's things that we need to do in the facilities, yes, to keep up. I don't know if you know, but carpet's not free. We changed the carpet out here in Gulfport. Oh, this next year, we got to change the carpet out in Wiggins, man. It's been almost 20 years. It's time to change some carpet. It's over $100,000. Yeah, it's not your house carpet. <laughs> now, you can cheap out, by the way. You can cheap out, and in about five years, you got to change the carpet again. And so you can do that, or you can have good carpet that lasts for 20 more years, right? There's a lot of things going on in many churches, in many, many organizations. But today, my goal was just to, again, open up your heart to giving of your time, of your energy. I want to pray. I'm going to pray for us. And then after I finish praying, we're going to turn it over to each location as we wrap up today. Let's do this. Let's stand to our feet all four locations. Let's stand up. Father, we come before you right now. And God, we ask for clarity right now in our lives and how much time and energy and money we should steward for your kingdom, how to do that 
God, as we pray through these, these questions, Lord, uh, when it comes to first fruits, God, if we haven't been giving you our best right now, we repent. We repent. God, we will not be like Cain and dig our heels in and reject you more and cause hurt around us. Father, we want to be like Abel and be soft and be, and be pliable. If we're not giving our best, God, give us a plan to be able to work towards that. Father, with tithes and offerings and God, and sacrificial giving, we pray right now, Father, that, that if we are not sacrificially giving, whatever that means for us individually, God, that right now you begin to stir our hearts to maybe give again. For some of us, things have been tight. And, and maybe you need a plan before you begin to give again. I do want to make sure that you, that you realize that we should have a plan. But, but, but for some of us, we, we have enough. We're just, we're not sacrificially giving of who we are anymore. God, forgive us for that. Help us to make adjustments. Father, when it comes to giving to those who can't give back to us, giving to the poor, to the widow, to the orphan, to these people, God, I pray that you would stir our hearts in a greater degree. Lord, as we're checking out at Walmart or wherever we are and we see people in need, God, where we are living in abundance in certain places, God, would you help us, to, to our eyes to be open to that, Lord? Not just to do it whenever it's Thanksgiving time, but God, to do it in the middle of the summer, to do it in the winter, to do it whenever. God, because it's you stirring our hearts to expand the kingdom of God through loving people. And we don't know where those seeds, what they will end up bearing fruit, where they will end up bearing fruit. So God, stir our hearts to give to those in need. And Lord, help us to be generous. Open up our hearts to be willing to give without any expectation of return. God, we know that you supply our every need. We know that you have given us all that we have. And so, Father, we thank you for that. I pray that you bless every person here, every person watching online, every person in every location. God, I pray that you bless their time, their energy, their money. And God, that you help us to humbly serve you and what you have given us to be good stewards of your kingdom. Thank you for the responsibility. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, look, as we're wrapping up today, I know we went a little bit long, but this was one of those messages that I wanted to give you kind of a big picture. And, and the reality is this, is that I probably have about three pages of notes like edited out from this sermon as well. Um, but I hope that you, I hope that my heart was transferred well in, in the conversation that we had today about, about money and giving and, and uh, that whenever you, you see people around, people around you in need, that you would think about it from this standpoint. Not from a guilt, not from a condemnation standpoint, but from a loving, generous standpoint.